Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. I shake hands with somebody next to you. Maybe you came in a little late, you didn't have a chance to greet anyone. Why don't you tell them hello, tell them it's good to see them in church. Kevin, if I could have a little more monitor, please. Amen. Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you today. Can you hear me okay? I want to welcome you to week number two of our series called 40 Days of Prayer. Oh, come on. There we go. I was going to just say, if my timer doesn't work, I might just stay up here an hour, hour and a half. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But last week we kicked off our series and the new year with a message called A 2020 Vision to Grow. And we have finished. How many people are participating uh, in the Daniels Fast in some form or fashion? Let me hear your voices. Woo, all right, great. We have finished the first seven of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we are seven days now into our 40 days of prayer. We have a 40-day New Testament reading challenge, 40 days of prayer prayer guide. Be sure to pick up one of those prayer guides if you don't already have one at the Welcome Center. There's a different prayer point each day. Or if you're on social media, uh, check out the church Facebook page or website. Uh, Every day we're posting a brand new uh, prayer point. It's just kind of a point of focus that we can all join together with in prayer during this 40 days of prayer. Now, prayer is a giant subject, isn't it? There's so many things you could say and so many different ways to say it about approaching this subject. Just for the fun of it, I typed the word prayer on Google this week. Guess how many searches popped up? 794 million results popped up. I scrolled through a few million of those. No, not really. But I thought, wow, 700, it actually said about 794 million uh, it's just, it's, it's unfathomable, the amount of stuff. I Googled prayer on Amazon, and it said 100,000 or more. I tried to narrow it down. I wanted to see how many resources they had. There's an abundance. So where do we begin? Let's just jump right in. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. On the second week, I just want to speak on this subject today, a beginner's guide to prayer. A beginner's guide to prayer. How many of you still consider yourselves as not having accomplished or uh, everything you want to accomplish in prayer? Amen, I know I have not. So let's talk about it today. I've, I've been a pastor now for almost 25 years. I've been a Christian for over 35 years, and so I want to just share a few observations with you about prayer as we get started. 
And here's the first one, even though we might not realize it. Number one, we are wired to pray. We are wired to pray. Our Creator designed you and I in a way that prayer is natural to us as human beings. Everybody in the world prays. Buddhists pray, Hindus pray, Muslims pray, Jews pray, Christians pray. Even secular people pray, they may not call it prayer. It's in every culture. Now, who we pray to, uh, what we pray to obviously differs. But what I'm saying is there is an internal desire that God created in every human being to reach out to their creator in communication, what we call prayer. In fact, it's what makes you and I human to begin with. Animals don't pray. Cows don't pray. Birds don't pray. Dogs don't pray. Why? It's simple. They're not made in the image of God like we are. We are all made in God's image. And that makes, means that God has hard, hardwired our DNA to want to be able to communicate with Him. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. That means we have an eternity. We have an eternal soul. You're going to last longer than just here and now. It also means that you and I have a natural desire and a drive in us that we recognize there's got to be more to life than just this, right? Just the here and now or the right now or today or tomorrow. That can't be everything, and that's because it's not everything. There is an eternity. There's got to be a God, and he hardwired you and I to look for him. And God wired us to be able to talk to him. Human beings are naturally wired to pray. It's a universal trait in us, and everybody will pray at some point in their life. Here's a second observation I want to say, and I think all of you can say amen. We're really not very good at prayer, <laughs> are we? We're not that good at it, and we know we're not. In fact, most everybody I've ever talked to feels inadequate about it. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how long I'm supposed to pray. I'm not faithful with prayer. In fact, many of you feel very unconfident about your prayer life, and you feel very unconfident about even praying publicly. Let me prove it. If I was to just ask one of you randomly to come up here on the stage right now and lead us in prayer, some of you would just fall out. I mean, you would faint. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, my Lord, please. You know, because we feel insecure, we feel inadequate about our prayer life. Some of you, it's hard to even pray in front of other people when it's time to eat, right? My mom told me a funny story about my, my, uh, my uncle when they were kids praying at mealtime. And prayer wasn't a joke to my grandpa. Uh, you know, my grandpa, I love him. And you didn't crack jokes when it came time to pray. And so one day my uncle Lee, he thought he'd be funny. And uh, he told Lee, he said, why don't you pray over our food? And my Uncle Lee said, good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. And about the time he got the good Lord, let's eat out of his mouth, my mom said she was opening her eyes to see my grandpa's hand going across the table to my uncle's mouth. He said, don't you ever pray like that again. So I don't know how well that worked out, but I've, I've tried not to ever pray that prayer. But you know, we're not very good at prayer, right? I've only met one person in my entire life that really thought they were outstanding at prayer. I could say her name right now, and about four of you would know who she was. Uh, she went away many, many years ago. But I'll never forget one time, Pastor Dylan and I were talking to her about prayer, and he said something about, yeah, it'd be great to pray more. She said, well, yeah, y'all should pray like me. 
We were like, what do you mean? I wasn't even the pastor then. He was, she said, well, I pray 10 hours a day every day. I thought, well, man, maybe that prayer would produce a little humility in your life. I mean, let me just tell you, this woman had no fruit of the Spirit. I'm not judging her. I'm just telling you what I can see. She was mean. She was rude. When she told me she prayed 10 hours a day, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I wanted to say, to who? (laughs) Who are you praying to? It sure ain't God because he is not doing much in your life. But uh, so other than her, I can really say I've never met anybody that said I'm a world-class prayer. I'm a professional. I'm a pro at prayer. (laughs) No. Everybody, no matter how long you've known the Lord, all of us can admit, here's some place we all got common ground. How many of you think you could do better in your prayer life? Amen? And for those of you who don't feel like you need to do better, maybe you could come up here and teach the rest of us how great you're at it. Amen? Because probably the greatest Christian who ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And here's what he said about prayer, Romans 8, 26. He said, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Look at this. Because we don't know what God wants us to pray for. This was the greatest Christian in the New Testament. He said, guess what? I don't always know how to pray. I don't always know what I'm supposed to do. And if Paul can say that, it's okay for you and I to admit that. That we don't always know how to pray, that we can do better at this. Even the disciples, the 12 guys that Jesus handpicked to follow him for his entire ministry, they didn't know how to pray. As a matter of fact, look at this. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. They watched Jesus pray, and then they said, teach us to pray. These 12 guys got to watch Jesus do everything. You know what? They saw him do all kinds of miracles. They saw him raise the dead, heal people, turn water into wine, walk on water, cast out demons. But did you notice that they never once, at least nowhere in the scripture that I I found, they said, Lord, teach us to do miracles? Never said that. They saw him preach and teach to multitudes of people. Jesus was the greatest teacher ever in history, the greatest preacher on the planet. The stories that he told. Man, I mean, we're still telling his stories 2,000 years later. But never once did the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to teach. Teach us how to preach. No. Instead, they said, teach us how to pray. Do you want to know why? Because they understood that prayer was behind the miracles and the teaching and the preaching and the healing. They understood that prayer was the lifeline that got him his power. Amen? Because read the Bible, Jesus prayed constantly. Talked to God in the mornings, in the afternoons, the evenings, in secret, in front of people, in all different ways. In fact, later on in this series, we're going to take a look at the prayer life of Jesus as our model and begin to develop some patterns that we can follow when they said, teach us to pray. So if Paul says we don't know what to pray and we don't know how to pray, and the disciples said, Lord, you need to teach us how to pray, I think it's okay for us to have a little moment of confession here and say, you know what, maybe I'm a little inadequate in my prayer life at times. Amen? And that's okay. That's why I titled this sermon, A Beginner's Guide to Prayer. Because God doesn't want you to feel lousy about your prayer life. 
He doesn't want you to feel guilty about your prayer life. God doesn't want talking to him to be such a difficult task. And it's not as difficult as you might think it is. Here's a third observation before we dig into some other things. We're frustrated, number three, with prayer because of our misconceptions about prayer. We get frustrated because of our misconceptions. And folks, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of wrong ideas. There's a lot of lies and, and, and myths and misunderstandings. There's a lot of false information that's simply not true. And it can make you frustrated. God doesn't want your prayer life to be driven by guilt. Prayer is not something you're supposed to feel guilty about. It's supposed to be a conversation. Now let's talk about a few misconceptions about prayer. Maybe you were taught them as a kid. Maybe you learned them as a Christian. Maybe, and we're going to cover more of these in the weeks ahead. But let me give you real quickly four common myths about prayer. Number one, prayer is not a magic wand. It's not a magic wand. It's not like some stick that Harry Potter has and waves around and all of a sudden all the circumstances change. Right? That, that's not how it works. Prayer is not a wand where you go poof and all of a sudden everything changes in your life. Prayer is not a genie in a bottle where you just rub it and all of a sudden God jumps out and, and says, your wish is my command. Man, don't you wish prayer worked that way? But it doesn't because God's not our servant. Matter of fact, we're God's servants and somehow we got all that turned around. Prayer is not just some secret words or some secret incarnation or chant or spell that if you know the right words and you say those exact words, then you're going to get it your way all the time. Matter of fact, let me digress real quick. This isn't in my notes. Years ago, anybody remember the prayer of Jabez? Everybody remember all the excitement about the prayer of Jabez? I mean, it was great, a great, powerful prayer. But you know what? I really started thinking about it, and I dug into it a little bit deeper. You know what the secret was to the prayer of Jabez? Look it up. It wasn't the words it said, he said, but the scripture said that Jabez was more honorable than all of his brethren. We all want to imitate his words when what we ought to be doing is imitating his life. Amen? You can repeat the prayer all you want, but it's just words. It's not a magic wand. You can't say hocus pocus sickum Jesus and everything's going to work out. doesn't work that way. Amen? Abracadabra, you're a great husband. Let me know how that works out. Amen? <laughs> hocus pocus, my wife can now cook. Good luck with that, amen? See, prayer is not some ritual words that, that you just say and all of a sudden things change mysteriously or magically. Jasmine, I thought I heard your pretty little laugh. I didn't know you were here today. So no magic wand. Everybody say no magic wand. Here's another myth about prayer. Prayer is not supposed to be a fire extinguisher. You see that little fire thing over there? That's not a fire extinguisher. But if you run over there and pull that little lever, alarms are going to sound, and within a few minutes, fire trucks are going to be here, and they're going to be jerking open doors and bumping into stuff, and they're going to be running around looking for a fire. Or if there is an actual fire, you see that red thing over there? There's another one over on that wall. There's another one in the lobby. There's one in the kitchen. There's one over in that far corner over there. Those are fire extinguishers. They are meant for emergency use only. Did you know what? Some people's prayer life is a fire extinguisher. You pull it out for emergency use only. See, we're not supposed to just 
treat it like a fire extinguisher. Break glass only in case of an emergency. But see, some people, they don't pray on good days. The only time they pray is when they're in pain, when there's an emergency. Break in case of emergency. Pull out prayer. You get a crisis in your life. You pull out the fire extinguisher of prayer and you start spraying prayer all over. Hurricane's coming, let's pray. Somebody got cancer, let's start a prayer chain. My husband's about to walk, on, walk out on me, I need some prayer partners, let's pray. Lost my job, let's pray. Some folks, I'm not diminishing that, but some folks only use prayer in times of an emergency. In fact, you know what the terminology is? Here it is, you know what we say? All we can do now is pray. <laughs> Don't we? All we can do now is pray. I've already gone to the doctors. I've taken every pill prescribed to man. I've gone, I've, 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 I've done this. I've seen a chiropractor. I've had surgery. I guess all I can do now is pray. <laughs> and you know what? It's like, people, and then people are like, oh, my Lord, has it really gotten that bad? Has it come to that? See, is prayer really the last resort when you've tried everything else? Prayer's not intended to be the last resort in your life. It's meant to be your first choice. Everybody say first choice. Before you buy that car, pray. Oh, I found a great car. I got a great deal. Man, the interest rate, I mean, have you prayed about it? By the way, you don't need to call me. All right? Now, I'm just going to say that some pastors thrive on developing codependent parishioners. That's not me. Amen? You love Jesus, you pray about the car, and if he says yes, go get it, and then take me for a ride in it. Amen? And I'll rejoice with you. Pray about it. Before you go looking for a job, pray. Before you accept that date, pray. I'm so glad they didn't have online dating when I was dating because I would have gotten my life all screwed up. I can just tell you right now. I'd have been so confused. I'm so glad back when I was dating, I just had to pray about it. Amen? Pray. Pray. Make it the first choice, not the last resort. Amen? Here's another misconception we have about prayer. Number three, prayer is not a tug of war. It's not a tug of war. God, please, please, please. Please, 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 God. Please, 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 God. Uh, how about pretty please, pretty please, pretty please. How about pretty please with some sugar on it, God. Please, 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 please. You know, sometimes we think it's a tug of war, and we're just badgering with God. That's not what the Bible says. God wants you God wants to answer your prayers, but don't have a tug of war. Sometimes we feel like it's almost like, well, if I say it 92 more times, he's going to say yes. Or sometimes we like to bargain with God. Well, God, if you'll do this for me, then I'm going to do this for you. And you're going to be really lucky, God, because I've never done that for anybody before. God, if you'll, if you'll raise me up off of this sick bed, I promise you, I'll stop smoking or I'll stop drinking or I'll stop cussing. Or God, if you'll just fix my marriage one more time, I promise I won't cheat anymore. God, you know, we, we try to bargain with God, try to tug a war with God. We try to pretend like it's the price is right or let's make a deal. No, 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 no. And God's going, what? <laughs> you don't have to bargain with God. You don't have to bribe God, you don't have to give him some kind of sales pitch about how great 2020 is going to be if he'll just give you a new job. See, Jesus told a lot of stories, and his stories are called parables. And you know what? Most of the stories that Jesus told, he'll go, here's the story, and then he'll go either, that's how God is, or sometimes he'll tell a story and he'll say, that's how God's not, right? 
There's one story that he told, told about a judge who this widow needed justice, and she just kept coming and coming and badgering the judge for justice, and he wouldn't, wouldn't give it until finally he goes, okay, okay, I'll give you what you want. Just stop yapping about it, and I'll give it to you. But you know what? The point of the story, when you read that story correctly, it's saying God is not like that. You don't have to badger him. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to harass him. You don't have to just keep saying the same things over and over and over again. In fact, Jesus actually said, don't pray prayers that you just say the same thing over and over and over. Look at Matthew 6 and verse 7. This is what Jesus said. When you pray, don't babble on and on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. I got to laugh when I read this verse because I almost picture Jesus as having a sense of humor. And, and don't raise your hand. But how many have ever had a conversation with somebody and they're just like, they're like Charlie Brown's teacher. And somewhere you're just like, oh, somebody shoot me now, please. How do I get out of this jam? They're just going on and on and on. And you don't, you don't have an escape strategy. There's no exit ramp. You're like, somebody please, Calgon, take me away. Sometimes I wonder if God up in heaven and Jesus is like, oh, you keep asking that over and over again. Stop saying that over and over again. Jesus said, when you pray, don't just babble on and on and on. He said, when you pray. Now, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. He also said, don't just use meaningless repetitions. In other words, don't just pray the prayer where you say the same thing over and over and over. How many of you know that we have our own language in Christianity? We speak Christianese. We have terms that we use in the church that nobody outside the church even understands, right? We say stuff that people are like, what? What are they talking about? Amen? And sometimes we just use meaningless cliches. or We say the same things over and over again. Be sincere. Prayer does not have to be a negotiation. Amen? Now, I've shared a few observations and a few myths. Let me talk about some truths, some truths that are pillars of prayer. I've mentioned this to you before, but they say there's a legend about Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, that at the beginning of every season, matter of fact, they named the Super Bowl trophy after Vince Lombardi. So for those of you who are not football fans, that'll tell you what kind of a great coach he was. And they said every year when he brings the team together, the Green Bay Packers together, the first thing he would do, he would take a football, he'd spin it around in his hands, and he'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. Two professional football players. And the message was this, before we start talking about how to tackle, how to run, how to block, how to pass, how to kick, before I start giving you the fundamentals, there's this one thing I want you to remember, this is a football. So folks, let's have some this is a football moments about prayer. Let me give you some foundational truths. Number one, God loves for us to talk to him. Amen. You may not even know that. But God loves for us to talk to him. <clears throat> and I would also like to add about anything. See, some of us think God only wants to hear about the spiritual stuff. It doesn't have to be something religious. It has to be something, anything that you're interested in. If you're interested in something, God is interested in it too. You say, well, how is that possible? Because God put that interest in you. He wants you to talk to him about it for three reasons. Number one, he loves you. He loves you. You would not exist if God hadn't wanted to love you and create you. 
It is the reason you're alive. I want to tell somebody here today, you don't feel like it, God still loves you. He still loves you. Another reason he wants you to talk to him about the stuff in your life is number two, he gave you your interest. Where do you think you got it from? You got it from God. You know all those things that you consider to be your hobbies or your favorite sports or the stuff that you're good at or the things you like to do? Where'd you get that from? You got it from God. God put it in you. He wired you with them. He put them in you. He gave every one of us different desires because we all like to do different things. Amen? And then number three, he wants you to share that stuff because he just enjoys talking to his children. He is your father. The Bible calls him our father who is in heaven. You know, parents are interested in what? What their kids are interested in, right? So when you come to God in prayer, if you are bored in prayer, it's probably because you're talking about stuff to God that you think you ought to be talking to him about instead of the stuff that you're interested in talking to him about. And God's interested in whatever you're interested in. Look at Psalm 103, verse 13. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He's like a father to his children. Now those of you uh, who are parents, when you started having babies, did you wait until they could have meaningful conversations with you before you started loving them? <laughs> of course not. I remember when we had our girls. I loved them from the moment they were born, even when all they could do was cry and poop and smile. Amen. And whether they could talk back or not, I had a deep, deep love for them. I loved them before they even came into this earth. I remember talking to Lauren and talking to Lindsay right there about two inches from, from Robin's stomach and talking to my babies. And I wanted them to know daddy's voice when they first entered into this world. And let me just say this about you. Whether you even talk to God or not, whether you even pray or not, God still loves you deeply. Even if you don't talk to him, he still loves you. Just like a parent loves a child who either can't or won't communicate. You know, one of the fun things I can say about this stage of my life now, being a grandpa, Mason is two years old, he turned two in September, is now we're starting to have communication with him because he speaks back. Now, can I assure you that it's not elaborate communication? I'm going to tell you one thing I've learned about boys that I didn't know because I had little girls. Girls will talk your head off. Lauren can make my head spin at the age of two. I mean, she was nonstop. Boys are more grunts and actions and, uh, you know, they don't use quite as many words. But you know what? A meaningful conversation with Mason right now is dinosaur train, dinosaur train, dinosaur train. I've learned what Dinosaur Train is. It's a show on PBS. Cars 2, Cars 2, Cars 2, Cars 2. Literally, when he wakes up in the morning, if he spends the night with us, the first words out of his mouth is Cars 2, Cars 2, Cars 2, which that actually means Cars 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> Apple juice, please. Apple juice, please. Apple juice, please. Another thing he picked up from his dad. There you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. When you're doing something right, he looks at you and goes, there you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. I asked Robin, I said, where did he get that from? She said, that's what Xavier says to him. And you know what my favorite line is? Papa's house, Papa's house, Papa's house. Now guess what? These are two-word sentences, and I know exactly what he means. God just wants us to communicate. 
He wants to have communication with his children. You know what, today my girls are grown up, age 23, age 26, and I have great conversations with my adult children. Huh? What? 24. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's right, she's 24. There you go. Now, all you dads, I hope you don't feel so bad, right? I can't even remember how old my kids are. October 27, 1995, June 22, 1993. That's my effort at redeeming myself, amen. But uh, anyway, he wants to communicate with us. You know what, learning how to pray is really kind of like learning a language, right? I mean, think about it. How do you learn a foreign language? It first starts from hearing other people speak that language. That's how we learn to pray. If you first start off by hearing other people pray. That's how babies learn languages. That's how they learn words. They start by imitating. Do the first sentences make a lot of sense? No. Like I said, cars two, cars two, cars two. Dinosaur train, dinosaur train, dinosaur train. <laughs> apple juice, please, apple juice, please, apple juice, please. But you know what? God's smart enough to interpret our simple requests and our simple prayers. I want to tell somebody right now, stop being intimidated to talk to Jesus. Stop being intimidated. Lay the flowery language aside. Lay the flowery words aside. Just talk to him. God is not bored by you. He is not too busy to hear what you say. God is not going, oh no, here we go again. No, he's waiting to talk to you. Amen. And folks, I'm telling you, there's nothing off limits to God. Some people think they should only pray about the spiritual stuff. Nope. If you've got an upset stomach, talk to God about it. If your heart's been broken by someone, talk to God about it. Talk to him about anything. If you get mad on the job or even at church or at school, talk to God about it. He's interested in anything you're interested in. 1 John 5, 14 says this. I need, to, I need to hurry up a little bit here. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Verse 15, and since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Twice in that verse, you know what it says? We know he hears us. God always hears you. I, I had a man ask me one time, he said, do you believe, he had a pastor tell him that God does not hear prayers of sinners. I said, what in the world? Are you kidding me? How do you think any of, of us go from being sinners to being saints if God won't hear the prayer of a sinner? And you know what? This had bound this man up for decades. And he was so just bound up because he didn't even feel like he could talk to God because he didn't feel worthy. God hears your prayers. Sinner, saint, backslider, lukewarm Christian, God hears your prayers. God hears your prayers. Here's another foundational truth about prayer. Prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. It's not a ceremony. It's not something with a bunch of rules and restrictions and regulations and guidelines and this is how you got to do it. Either do it this way or it's not going to work or pray at this time and it's not going to work or pray for this long and it's not going to work. I remember when I, became, when I was a new Christian, when I first got in church in uh, 1984 when I became a Christian. I remember back then there was a big movement in spirit-filled and Pentecostal and charismatic churches about 6 a.m. prayer. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? And I never forget, I felt so guilty because I could not get myself up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And if I could, it was to get up and barely make it to work on time. And then there was this big movement about you got to pray an hour. Can you not tarry one hour? 
And I'll never forget one time I heard an evangelist say right in the middle of this big 6 a.m. prayer movement, he stood up and he said, hey, everybody, quit pressuring me. He was a preacher. He said, quit pressuring me to pray at 6 o'clock in the morning. He said, it's 6 o'clock in the morning somewhere in the world whenever I pray. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's right, God. You're God of the whole world. Why do I have to pray at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time? <laughs> Amen? Folks, it's not a ceremony. It's a conversation. And you know what we do in a conversation? Not just monologue to the sky in the dark. And you don't get any answers back. You don't hear anything. You don't feel any impressions. Of course it's going to get boring. If it just feels like prayer is this. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. And all you see is a black, blank wall. But you let God have your petitions and your requests and your pains and your fears. Talk to him like you would a friend. And then just listen and let him speak to you. You know what I, what I found helps me? Is I pray first and I listen second. I pray first and then I read my word. I used to read the Bible first because I wanted to make sure I could get my Bible reading it. And now you know what I found? If I pray before I read the word of God, so many times things jump right off of those pages. And God says, I'm glad you talked to me. Now let me talk to you. Let me say something to you. Or maybe it might come through a, a praise and worship song. And God begins to speak to you. Make it a conversation. Be open. It's not a monologue. It's not a speech. It's not a poem. It's not an essay. It's not a TED talk. Make it a, monologue, a, a dialogue with God. Number three, prayer is about relationship, not a ritual. Prayer is a relationship, not a ritual. It's about getting close to God. It's about talking to God and becoming acquainted with God. Hear me, don't miss this. This is a great point. I don't want you to miss this. If prayer is boring, boring to you, you have probably lost sight of what the point of it is. If it feels like work, you forgot why you're doing it. It's so you can build a relationship. It starts to feel like duty and, and drudgery. And then it becomes, I should pray. Or I have to pray. Or I've got to pray. Or I ought to pray. Or we beat yourself up and say, I did not pray. Or I forgot to pray. Or I didn't make time to pray. And friends, once you get caught in that trap, you're not going to want to pray. Because you're going to feel guilty. Or you're going to go for a whole week and not pray. And then you're going to be embarrassed because you didn't pray. And you're going to be ashamed to talk to God because, man, God... It's me again, Lord. Here I am. I'm back. Fire extinguisher in hand. You got time to listen? No, 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 no. Don't lose sight that it's about building a relationship with God. And what an amazing truth that is, that God just wants to talk to us. God, I could really use a raise. God, I had a bad day at work today. God, I'm a little ticked off at you, frankly, right now, and I don't know why you didn't do this. That's how, I, that's how I talk to God. God, I'm really disappointed. God, I'm really sorry that I had this bad attitude. Or, or God, I need you to, to help Lindsay and Xavier and Mason. God, I, I want you to touch Lauren today. I want you to bless Evan. God, I, I just need you. Whatever. Just make it a conversation with God. Number four, God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. I'm already kind of in that mode right now. But folks, let me help somebody. You don't have to use flowery language. 
Let me, let me go back to what I said earlier. Some of you feel intimidated about prayer because you think you've got to speak in the king's English, perfect English, Elizabethan English, amen. You don't have to talk like Shakespeare to talk to God, amen. You don't have to use religious cliches. You don't have to use the King James Version. Just talk to God. Be sincere. Let it come from your heart. Be authentic. Be real. It's gutsy. It's honest. You don't get up and start addressing God. Oh, thou great potentate of the universe who dost wondrously bestow on us all manner of thy beseeched blessings. God's going to go, hold on, let me get an interpreter. <laughs> so just come to God and say, hey, God, it's me. You know what I found? Sometimes the simplest, shortest prayers are the most powerful. Amen? Doesn't have to be super spiritual sounding. God already, by the way, you ain't fooling God. Come on, you can roll up in here on Sundays and sound as spiritual as you want. Try to impress somebody. God's like, whatever. I know you better than that. Don't try to fool him. If you're sick, God, I don't feel good. And I really don't feel much like talking right now, but I love you. I got to get some sleep. That's a prayer. God, I'm mad at you and I don't understand why this happened. That's a prayer. I just want you to be honest. If you don't, if you don't believe me, go read the Psalms. One third of the Psalms, 50 of the Psalms, are Psalms, they call them Psalms of Lament. That means they're complaints. 150 Psalms in the Bible, 50 of them are complaints. Whining, complaining prayers. And guess what? God saw fit to put them in your Bible and in my Bible to let us know it's okay to tell me how you really feel. It's real. God loves prayers that are sincere, not our phony baloney stuff and our religious jargon. Amen? Just say what you want to say. Longer is not necessarily stronger in prayer. Say what you need to say. God's much more interested in simple, sincere prayers than, than long-winded sermons in a sentence. Amen? Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Speaking of long-winded, let me hurry. <clears throat> when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your Father in private, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, verse 8, because your Father already knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. say, well, why didn't he just do it? Because he wants you to develop a relationship. Why didn't he just do it? Because he wants you to ask. Why didn't he just do it? Because he wants you to develop a faith walk with him. Why didn't he just do it? Because he wants you to learn to walk by faith and not by sight and trust him. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. Sincere hearts, sure faith, amen? That's what those qualifications are in that verse. Go in with sincerity, go in with trust or faith. God, I'm not going to talk to you about what I'm, what, what I'm not interested in. I'm going to talk to you about how I feel today. I'm going to share with you what's on my heart. 
fully trusting him. Number five, number one, God loves for me to talk to him. Number two, prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. Number three, prayer is a relationship, not a ritual. Number four, God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. Number five, I'm almost done. I only got this and one more. God demonstrates his grace by answering prayer. Now check this out. God's a good God. He's a good, good father, the song says. And God loves to answer prayer because he gets to show what he's really like. Over 20 times in the New Testament, we're commanded to ask. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. You have not because you ask not. If you ask anything in my name, you know the verses. Over 20 times, if you're a child of God, you're commanded to ask God for things. Why? God gets to show how good he is. Gets to show how gracious he is. With every answer that God gives through your prayer, it shows that he is a good God. Hear me. Regardless of the answer. We only think he's good when he says what? Yes. <laughs> we only think he's listening when he responds with a yes. No. He shows his grace by answering. And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is maybe. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is you got to be kidding me. See, see, God knows. Even when it's no, even when the answer's not yet, he is a good, good father. You want me to prove it to you again? How many of you parents give your children everything that they ask for? If you do, I don't want to be around them by the time they turn into teenagers. You're going to raise little monsters, amen? You know what good parents do? They understand that sometimes you have to say no. Rick Warren gives these reasons why God says no. I love them. Here's what he said. Sometimes God says no for our protection. A no protects us. Sometimes God says no for our direction. A no points us on the right way. Sometimes God says no for our correction, to correct us on course. Sometimes God says no for our perfection, to help us grow in our character. By the way, all these points are going to be on the sermon app tomorrow, on the church app. And it's, the notes will be there. And then sometimes God says no for our inspection. Because he's looking inside of us. And he wants us to see some things that maybe we didn't see before. Did you know God is much more interested in your character than he is your comfort? And that's why sometimes he just has to say no. He loves you and I too much to say yes to everything. God is not a vending machine where you put a $1.50 in or you swipe your card and you pull out your favorite snack. Doesn't work that way. God says, I didn't say I'd answer prayer every way that you want it, but I will answer. Amen. A child, a baby, they don't know the difference between no and not yet. Right? No, you can't have a popsicle right now. You got to eat first. No, you've already had three of those today. You can't have any more till tomorrow. But you know, as you mature, as you grow, you begin to understand. No is not always no. Sometimes no just means not yet. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. From the message. I love this from the message. It says, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you could never figure out on your own. Sometimes God just wants to broaden our perspective. Sometimes you and I ask God for something and he goes, you know what? You have no idea what you're asking for. That's not really what you even want. I know what you want more than you know what you want. So not now. It'll happen next year. 
what's going to happen down the road. You want to be happy? That's not going to make you happy. You think it's going to make you happy, but it's not. So God says, I'm just going to broaden your perspective, and I'm not going to do that for you. And then the last thing, praise team and musicians, I want you to come. God longs to be close to us. Amen? God longs to be close to us. That's another reason why we want to pray. God wants to be close to me. He wants to be close to you. And if you're away from somebody that you love for a long, long time, what happens? You can't wait to talk to them. Right? You can't wait. And you know what? God can't wait for you to talk to him. He is not too busy. When I was growing up in church, we used to sing a song out of the hymn book. Brother Clyde Pavey in the back, you used to lead it. It was called the Royal Telephone. Anybody remember that song? I remember some of the words. Central's never busy, always on the line. You can hear from Jesus almost any time. Tis a royal service, free for one and all. When you are in trouble, give this royal line a call. Telephone to glory, oh, what joy divine. I can feel the current moving on the line. Tis a royal service, free for one and all. When you are in trouble, fire extinguisher. Give that royal line a call. But you know what? God's never offline. His Wi-Fi is never shut down. He's always there. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Did you know, and this is not about guilt, this is to encourage you. Did you know that every day that you go without talking to God or reading His Word, He's just hanging out waiting for you? It's been a day, it's been a few days, it's been a week, it's been a month, it's been a year. Guess what? He's still there, just waiting. Come on back, reconnect. You know why? He longs to be close to us. You were made for a relationship with Jesus. How many of you know it hurts when you love someone and they can talk to you, but they don't? that hurts. I mean, that's a lot more painful than somebody being gone and they can't reach me. But when somebody can talk to me and they choose not to, that hurts. I wonder how God feels when we just ignore Him. See, we weren't put on a planet just to mark things off our to-do list. We were put on a planet to be loved by God and to love Him back. The Bible's full of examples of people that had a close relationship to God. The Bible says Enoch had a close relationship. The Bible says Noah had a close relationship. The Bible says Job had a close relationship. The Bible said a guy named Hezekiah who was a king. He was closer to God than any other king that ever lived. God wants to be close to us. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 and then verse 6 I want to read it to you. Oh that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know Him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rain in early spring. Verse 6, He says, I want to show, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God said, I don't want you just doing more stuff for me. I just want you to know me. 
I want you to know me. Sometimes we in church, sometimes we as Christians, we substitute our works for relationship. We think, well, man, if I give enough money in the offering, that'll be get me right with God. Or maybe if I do enough work or if I do enough good deeds or if I sign up for enough ministries and life groups, man, all that's just superficial stuff that's supposed to help us grow as disciples. But the way you get to know Jesus is like this. Or like this in your favorite chair with a cup of coffee in your hand. Or on your way to work if you got a long commute with the radio off or with the worship music on. It's just you and him talking. We made it so hard when Jesus just says, talk to me. I want to be close to you. Right now I'm going to open up this altar. But I want to read one more verse to you. John 15 verse 15. This is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. It's hard to fathom this. Look, this is Jesus talking to us. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I call you friends. <laughs> the creator of the universe. You're my guy. You're my friend. So it's not about ritual, it's not about rules, it's not about religion, it's not about how long you pray every day, it's not about what time you pray, it's not about how much you speak in tongues. Why are we doing this 40 days of prayer? Because we just want to get in harmony with God and get to know Him better. I'm going to open up this altar right now. First of all, if you are not a Christian, the greatest thing you can ever do is step out from where you are right now and walk to this altar and say, you know what, God? I'm ready to start a relationship with you. I'm ready to talk to you. I'm ready to invite you into my life. I'm ready to repent of my sins and turn my life around. I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are. But the, for, for the rest of us that are believers, how about on this second Sunday of the year, you say, this is the year that me and God become friends. Hallelujah. I don't want to just be his follower. I want to be his friend. I want to be his friend. I want to be part of his circle. I want to be on the team. Why don't you right now, I'm going to open this altar. We ought to run down to this altar and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. Would you come? Would you come? It's not about a ritual. I just want to know you. I want to have a communication with you. I want to talk to you. I want us to become friends. I want us to become friends. I don't want to just know about you, God, but I want to get to know you. I want to get to know you. I want to be close to you.